I was going to go easy on you, not to hurt your feelings. But I'm only going to get this one chance. And hope springs eternal in Seattle. A 1916 overtime win keeps Seattle very much alive for the playoffs. I can feel it. It's just a feeling I've got. Like something's about to happen. But I don't know what. If that means what I think it means, we're in trouble. Big trouble. And if he is bananas, as you say, I'm not taking any chances. You're just caught for the first down by DJ Shark. And you can hear this from all the way in Seattle. Episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. The Seahawks are in the playoffs. And it took all of Sunday night to um, reveal itself. The seventh seed in the NFC, Mustafa Stuart Court, is as ever here with Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good. Playoff pedestrian podcast, just yeah. like we all drew it up. Yeah, it's uh, it's but the thing is, a player playoff run is going to be interesting because this is one nine eight. Very true. So the uh, next week's Philadelphia preview could be like. I hope you've yeah. got like uh, Rob McElhenney lined up or something for this. <laughs> Not after the weekend. Oh no, of course. Yeah, that's all, all forgotten about with a big day today. Um, yeah, it was like I, I I missed like the first twenty minutes of like gameplay, but it was a gnarly. It it was it felt like the Rams were doing to us what we've kind of done to the Rams. Like it's been us who have been playing spoiler against them last year, isn't it? And it was it felt like we were trying to hang with them and a divisional game kind of hype up a bit compared to what we've been like against the Rams at end of seasons kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I um, found myself to be quite annoyed after the game, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I thought. Obviously, the Silks haven't been on a good run. They think they were one and five before the Jets game or whatever it was. Mm. But I felt like the Jets was a real uh, statement performance that this is how we want to play. This is our identity. And I, I was really pumped after the Jets game. I thought they played exactly, you know, it's not necessarily how I want the Silks to play in a utopian world, but they have an ident- identity and they choose to play like that. And I just thought the Rams game was such a far cry from the Jets game. And that they muddled their way through against ultimately a college team in terms of talent on, on opposition. I mean, they were just dreadful. And I, it didn't thrill me with excitement. I mean, I also thought at the time that Green Bay were also going to make, you know, going to win. I just didn't have any hope in the Lions. So it kind of felt like the season was over and we finished it stinking the place out like that, even in a win. Um, obviously all that changes when you do end up making the playoffs, but uh and you have to sh- sort of shift your focus away entirely from performance because basically who cares now they've got the job done. But given that I figured it was going to be like a, a last hurrah for this team and this is the last time we'll see them for, for nine months, I, th- I thought it was a sad way to end. Um, I, I wasn't impressed. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think it's just a bit, it just felt a bit gnarly. Like Jason Myers missing the field goal at the end of the fourth quarter. You kind of like, yeah, that's what this last two and a half hours, three hours is built up to. It's- yeah that point it felt 
Like, yeah, okay, this season. It felt very good. much like yeah. the then card. Oh yeah, the Cardinals game in 2017 when Blair Walsh missed all those kicks from Toulouse. Yeah, 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 yeah it did. It just, it just, it felt inevitable that we were gonna see uh, Baker Mayfield and Sean McVay. Um, well, Sean McVay smile for the first time <laughs> um, in quite a while. Um, but yeah, the, but they edged it out. Jason Myers stepped up in overtime after. Unbelievable. Quandre Diggs has been not the Quandre Diggs maybe that we've watched the last couple of years to our like untrained eye, but that is one of the that's that's that is that that's enough to get all of the Pro Bowl all pro. That's one of the plays of the season, isn't it? Like it saved the Seahawks season, obviously, but on a wider league scale, that is it's unbelievable from him. Yeah, when you're watching games on TV and you can't see the whole scope of the field, when you see a quarterback put their back foot, back foot in the ground like that, you think, aye, aye. <laughs> and then when you see the ball release, you're thinking, oh, what's happening here? And, and, and then obviously it pans to where the receiver is and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, because also, yeah, he was going to catch... Both, both commentators chatted, Van Jefferson is open, like yeah. both of them. And all of a sudden, this thing just flew <laughs> across like Superman. Um, and I, I'd said to you earlier on that I thought Quandary had been particularly bad um, that day, or that you know, looked like he was mailing it in, but couldn't be more wrong with that play because it was, I mean, he, he should have cost the team 15 yards with a taunting penalty, I think. <laughs> then I, I, one of a number of decisions that I don't know how we got away with. Um, but yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, it's 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 one of those plays which probably it, it, it would make like if uh, uh, Will Cornell does one of those videos again, it's going to make that because like yeah, it saved the season and what happened in Green Bay three three and a half hours later, kind of it's the yeah, it's it was just it was it was uh, it was quite a play, um, but like but but it, so even with the the Packers. Uh, crap in the bed against the the MCDC and the Detroit Lions. Does that has not does that change how you view the game on Sundays? Is, is it kind of legit to be a bit more reserved heading into what yeah. looks like the most unfavorable matchup of all the unfavorable matchups? Or yeah, as I say, the reason I was upset was that I thought it was the last we'd see of a team for nine months, and like that was the taste I'd have in my mouth going into the off season. Yeah. Whereas the fact we get another game is terrific, and and, and ultimately, it, you know. Players and fans, I think one of the biggest differences that they have is that in general, players just want to win, uh, especially you know, especially in the NFL, which is so physical. For them, any win is a team win, and they're thrilled to come out the other side of it with a win. They, they don't give a shit about style points. Whereas I think fans, when you're investing your time to watch it, you do want to see your team play well if possible. So to see it end the way it did, or the way I, th- I thought it had ended, it was a bit disappointing. The fact they've got another game, makes it all completely worthwhile. I, I don't think it's even hypocritical to say that. I just no. think that's the way that it goes. Yeah. Like we're then gonna spend the next four or five days up and up until Saturday evening kind of watching that the Vegas spread, which I think is nine, eight and a half, nine at the minute. Like, that's gonna keep falling because people are gonna bet because they're gonna they're gonna as uh, last week's guest Joe Fang obviously often says emotional hedge and kind of just back that kind of thing. And but we're gonna talk ourselves into it when Initially, at what the first thing Monday morning, you see the Green Bay, the Sunday night football score, and you're like, oh, yeah, but now we've got the 49ers, and you're just like the, the impending doom, impending dread kind of thing. But 
But they're in the fight, they're in the scrap. And I know it's a cliche, it probably doesn't mean a lot for how badly the Niners match up uh, for what this Seahawks team has as a weakness. But beating an NFL team three times in a season is a tough thing to do. Like people I wasn't sure if you were saying that as I wasn't sure if you were saying that as a bit last week. No, I, I, it's like Nick Jackson often says that there's like a one percent like difference. Like every game is pretty much a coin flip, especially with the parity this season. But it like it is hard to beat the same team three times because you've put two games what two hours worth of film on a, on a tape that they're going to like. Comb, go over the fine tooth comb, and it's a it's a rookie quarterback, a late round pick, even in a home game playing his first playoff game. I know our quarterback is also making his first playoff start, but there's yeah, like I'm already doing it. Like, I'm already talking myself around to <laughs> back in the, the plus eight and a half on Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday I mean, morning. like unless you know, I always talk about Gino that you know we talk about his ability or, or whatever that ultimately 320 teams over the last 10 years have had the chance to make him a starting quarterback and no one's really done it well every team had the chance to pick Brock Purdy mm. seven times and not one of them did it mm. so either it's an all-time whiff from every scout or at some point there'll be a regression to the mean and, yeah. and you know I, I love that I love the phrase water finds its level and Who's to say? Look, look, I'm not optimistic about Saturday because I think <laughs> I think that even if you take the court, I think Brock Purdy would have to be a net negative for his team for us to win. Um, and I wonder if Shanahan could probably coach around that against, you know, he's over, yeah, we're overmatched. Yeah. So I, I do think they can probably with their defense and, you know, run game and quick passing, and they can probably coach around if Brock Purdy is not having a good, game, a good game. But there will be a point where he hits the rookie wall. No rookies ever made the made the Super Bowl. Is Brock Purdy the best ever rookie quarterback? I don't think he is. So it, it's a bit of the sort of dumb and dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's 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 literally coaching, isn't it? At this point in the season, yeah, there's talent kind of thing, but it, it is going to come down at a certain matchup at a certain down and distance. So it is going to come. It is going to come down to D'Amico Ryan's against Shane Waldron or Shanahan against Pete. It's going to come down to that, isn't it? And that's just kind of if Shanahan puts their best player on offense, there's a lot of them in a position to beat our weak point, our weakness. And like you watch the Seahawks on Sunday, the Rams found a way to have success at a certain point. Like Jordan Brooks isn't there. And like while there may be like <clears throat> some question marks around Brooks as like the guy in the middle of the defense there's still a drop-off to Talamuse or whoever else. So like Shanahan, above anyone probably, in was coaching-wise, almost almost certainly in see he's going to find that. and He has the players at his disposal in Debo or Kittle or um, McCaffrey or even Elijah Mitchell. Like, that's, a, that's a long list. Like, They've got as loaded a roster as you can remember in, in like the last decade. It's the best roster in the... NFC, quite oh, comfortably, yeah. I think, quite comfortably, I think as well. It's, it like it probably was before McCaffrey, mm. and the fact they're all healthy and they're putting up thirty five points every week is it is a bit of an impending doom. But like like we said last week, this is this compared to like when well, I think we did a podcast for the Falcons game or before the um, maybe the Cowboys game. That's a bit of a different like 
context of that as well. But like, this doesn't feel like an impending doom because, like we said last week, it's way more of like a free hit kind of thing. Even though we're in the conversation, it's still like it's not going to change the success in, in inverted commas um, that this season may be perceived as with with what was expected, what the roster looked like, and the question marks and the change that this this team went through over last off season. Mm. It's um, yeah, <laughs> no realistic person is going to put, you know, when they do the picks and it flashes up on the screen at the bottom or on Twitter, you're not going to see many Seahawk logos uh, on, on those picks. I wouldn't have thought, but um, if there's one thing that, that Pete Carroll is, is known for is that creation of a team culture and the idea that, you know, you never really know when you're beaten. Um, I mean, I was going through the, I was talking to Mike Dugar about variants of one score games and how that can, uh, you know, alter how how you look at a season, and you know, quite conceivably, we could have been six and eleven. Um, you know, what were the two Rams games? Uh, the Lions game was sort of the the team that touched the ball last was always going to win. The Denver game, they missed a field goal in the last second. I mean, it could have been a, it could have been the bad record that everyone talks about, but they've been a gutsy team, um, and they've really worked hard um, to refuel the jet in the air. Like I, I still think there's issues in the future that I. Like people celebrating the short term, I totally understand that. I, I think that there's been a lot of genuflecting and oh, how dare you think that Pete Carroll should be fired, or how dare you not think the team are right. Yeah. I think you might see in a year's time that it may not be that much better than it is now, if better at all. Um, so I think anyone being I, I think you know, we're humans, we're capable of two emotions, uh, which I think is lost a lot when you talk about sports. But I think everyone is super happy about the short term, whilst perhaps having some trepidation for the long term. But, you know, you're in the playoffs. It's the ultimate short-term competition now. So, who knows? It's one and done. It's not, oh, we lose this. If they lose this week, we're half a game back, kind of thing. It's one and done. Uh, the, the thing on the peak being fired, like, that's just the worst use of hindsight ever. Because there's no way 10 months, there's people clearly deleting old posts or, <laughs> but like, it has to be because, yeah, there's, there's just, but, the reasons he was kept around, his he's shown this year, as you said, like building the culture, the or like the way his the first his monologue before he took a question yesterday in his press conference is probably why he's was, he's like still here, why he's still coaching. Like you, mm-hmm. you're watching teams who we played on Sunday, and the players are kind of like not checking out because like it's a violent, incredibly like physical sport, and it demands a lot of them for what, 22, 24, 30 weeks a year. But you'd look at the opposite sidelines and one coach didn't look like he was under 40 and one coach didn't look like he was over 70. I know winning aids that a lot. As I've said before with Pete last year, when we were losing, it just looked just completely empty as tank. Mm-hmm. But like he's shown over this season, particularly over the last, like just a, just a one of guess is, is exactly why he was kept around and why he's still coaching and why he's probably going to coach until he like he physically can't it feels like at this point but but yeah, yeah you can't you can't argue with the energy he's expending on this team and like no. the, the will that he has to make them good and look when it's a team you support and you have someone that's the figurehead that clearly cares so much it's great um, you know, as I say, I have short-term views on Pete Carroll. I have long-term views on Pete Carroll. Um, 
as we enter the playoffs where, you know, you can't affect the draft position or anything like that. It's just a case of, can you win? Well, yeah, I guess you can affect the draft position. Sorry, but you know, are you going to win? Are you going to lose? Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm in full short-term peak mode right now. And Leo, you know, let, let's hope that if there's one thing he's great at, it's it's probably this part more than more than the season part of it. Yeah, no, I agree. But also, yeah, but yeah, they're just the chances of someone happening, obviously slim and whatever else. But the, the the fact that we've got a chance, like all the questions about being was it the worst team, thirty two rank, coward. And Jason McIntyre, or is that his name? I think that's his name, uh, saying what they said in preseason. Everyone's saying what they said. Well, we said, well, we didn't expect much. But the, but that's just not against, like, that's, that Peter's quite clearly just used that to drive this team forward. The young team, I think, um, mm. was it the first six picks from this year's draft class have all basically become starters, mm-hmm. which is incredible. That's a massive part of this that they, for the first time in a while, they nailed. A draft class. So yeah, the short term is sort of for debate, but the short term is also Saturday night, and you'd hope maybe there's a hope on hope that uh, on onto um, onto the week after as well. But yeah, it's it's been fun. Like you've said numerous times this season, that it's like it's been a fun season. And mm. but watching Silver football, for it's the first time in ages, non Seahawks, I'll stay up and watch Silver football. Like. Like it was weird, like how people are Detroit Lions fans. But like they, like yeah, that play the the catch to DJ Chark is one of my favorite plays of the season. <laughs> one of, one of the few plays I think I celebrated this season, which was difficult half three because one it meant we were going to see a Glover Aaron Rodgers within about seven seconds, and that's fun. And but also it meant this, we get to watch this Seahawks team who have um, just been easier to connect to than the last. The last few, really, it all starts, I guess, at the quarterback position. But they just, it just feels like easier to connect to and vie for and will on kind of thing than the last few for numerous reasons. But, but yeah, yeah, it, it's lovely for a lot of people that the season doesn't have to end then. Mm. You know, like, um, well, look, maybe they would have liked to have gone out on a win, but I, d- I don't think that's their mentality. But like, you know, Gino's out of contract. Um, our friend Nick Ballor's out of contract. You know, technically that was, you know, they could have walked off the field and never played for Seattle again. So there's certain personalities that you're quite happy for them. They get to extend their Seahawks careers for want of yeah. a better, better term. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really nice. And there is clearly, you know, whatever you think of, of any of it, there's clearly a tremendous togetherness amongst that team. And, um, yeah, like I was speaking to Rob Staten on his post-game show and he said he was surprised that I thought it was my, you know, favourite season for four or five. It's it's not that like I've loved watching them play football necessarily. I've just really enjoyed the camaraderie and the obvious brotherhood and the fact that it hasn't felt that we have to win this year right now because we've over-leveraged everything to win right now. And if we don't, we could be at Ships Creek. Um, it's just been fun to watch a team that obviously care about each other play um for the team that you that, that represent you um yeah you know, Spurs are going through a whole thing now with with Qatari money or whatever and it's this disgusting and and it makes you kind of think with sports that you know these are communities of people and groups of people that you might never meet or never get to speak to but they represent you as a person like you choose to sign up to to that team as a community um and and I think that I'm proud of the community that the Seahawks are this year which I haven't been for a little while. So yeah. that, that was nice to watch. 
Yeah, it is. It is also on that kind of it's the same thing. I think it's the one like negative. If if pick up this, the fact that he's in a home game, there isn't going to be a home playoff game this season. That like that kind of, as you said on Sunday, signing off in the fashion they did. It would have felt different if they'd have made the playoffs four hours later, and then you get a home playoff game if like this week kind of thing. Like obviously that went out the window with just not winning for six weeks. But but yeah, like yeah, it's like well. I think that adds to everything, like the, the feeling of like a free hit kind of thing mm-hmm. on Sunday. And it kind of adds to why we are probably going to see myself or whoever else, a lot of people talk themselves into the six having a chance on Saturday night. But there is probably a reason they're the first game with the, um, or the second, the first game? Yeah, first, first, game, first yeah. game with the six on, uh, on this weekend. I, I was thinking one thing though, there, the comparisons at the start of the season was so much about how this is how Pete and John want it. This is like they're starting all over again. They're building from scratch. Um, they're going to make a load of moves and build a roster and, and you know, try and claw their way into whatever. They back their way into the playoffs in the same way as they did in 2011 um, with a record that you would not typically expect Um to, to be a playoff record. They are 10 point underdogs as they were in 2010. And I'm not saying that you're going to have like a, a beast quick mode by, I'm not saying that at all, but I think it will be quite instructive for the whole project almost to see how they play. Because if you'd said 12 years ago, you know, some might, people might argue that was the catalyst for, for a lot of the growth and whatever. And I just think it's a really nice and it, it's really cool how it all comes back around that, 12 years later, when people discuss this year, like 20, 2011, it, we're going to see the same kind of thing. Like I, 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 I'm a sports romantic and I, I find that quite, quite a nice thing. Yeah. I, th- I think we asked Lofa uh, about that 2011 game, honestly, like if, if it aided the buy-in of everyone mm-hmm. with the peak hour thing. And I think it was a bit like a roundabout way, like some of the guys, yeah, it did. Obviously they get, again, that team in 2011 had, or 2010, had a rookie left tackle, had a rookie, two rookies at safety, and it had a running back who had kind of come out of nowhere for the Seahawks, obviously with different circumstances than Marshawn coming over from Buffalo. But yeah, it is it is kind of weird how just everything just seems to go back around. But they are 10 and a half point underdogs. The, the, the over under is only 40, 43, mm-hmm. which is a bit low for a, a blowout, but I guess. But it feels like if it's over, the Seahawks may have a chance because, like you said, they. they if if they can make this, then yeah. So if the Seahawks are going to win, they're going to have to make this like a like a some level of a shootout, aren't they? They're not going to they're either probably, that, or they're probably they not going to stop the Niners, are they? Well, I, th- I think probably the more likely way to win is to win the turnover battle by by two. I think yeah. yeah if they can turn the ball, if they can steal two possessions and not give any away, then I think they'll be pretty well situated to at least keep it close. Um, is this there seemed to be a few occasions on Sunday, especially after, especially late, maybe in like the hit or everything with the DK and Jalen and stuff, where Gino kind of forced it. That hit like Pete always, everyone around the team over the last decade talks about how they kind of just every week's the same kind of mindset and all of that. But th- this is a pretty like for all of the Seahawks players, obviously the rookies and everyone, but for Gino Smith in particular, to play a playoff game when you're basically a cast-off for the best part of a decade after being a bust and all the rest of it, but this, keeping him like 
centre the level is going to be a massive part of this game and how the Seahawks offence operates, particularly obviously early, isn't it? Yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes because he ha- obviously had two actual picks. Then he had one pick that the guy decided didn't want and so just threw the ball on the floor, um, you know, which was very kind of him for an incomplete pass. And there was one in overtime, which was basically DK had to basically make like a a goalkeeper style save to take to take out Jalen Ramsey's hands. So he could very easily have had four picks on Sunday. And um I mentioned that in a way like the the style in which he's playing is more risky and more aggressive than almost anything we'd seen from the Denver Broncos quarterback in his time in Seattle, which is, is quite weird considering the whole point of Gino was, you know, high completion rate, don't turn the ball over. So I don't know if he was tight um, or if there were nerves. There's obviously not, he's not getting great play from half the line, especially on the interior, which really doesn't help. Um, but yeah, I mean, he must be for all his, for all his confidence and what he said this year, it must be, you know, on his mind, how how big Saturday is for it's a legacy game almost for him. Despite you know he's not not you know he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but people will remember Gino in part for how Saturday goes. I think it's 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 probably the the second biggest platform game of his career. The first one being Week One, yeah, with everything on with every, like every storyline and thread and everything around that one. But like this is the second the second one because it's on a national stage. It's the only game on. Um, yeah, it's gonna be massive. I think you kind of saw him like break character kind of thing, like break kayfabe a bit with his uh, post game interview with uh, Laura. Is it Laura Ockman on Fox? Mm-hmm. Where he started getting emotional. Like we, we've kind of seen like him be level level like centered and everything. We kind of saw the the gift, the meme thing of uh, Pete kind of like time to come back down a bit in uh, LA against the Chargers. But like that's the first time you saw because he probably was stood. No matter all the words, he probably stood thinking that was his. His season over, and he come what half a, a a win short kind of thing. And mm. as you said, it's all the way it could have gone the other way, and more losses. There's a couple of occasions where it could have been a win, but, but yeah, it's just it's 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 it, I just I can't even imagine what that must be. This that pregame for him on Saturday and that first drive, that first snap is going to be like for him because like it's, it's a decade in the league and it's his first first start in a Pro Bowl season and all the rest of it. It's going to be it is going to be interesting to watch. How Shane Waldron and Pete and Gino kind of design and draw up and play those first couple of series, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Um, it, yeah, he wouldn't be human if there wasn't part of it that was weighing on his mind. And you know, I, I just I hope for his sake. And I'm, look, these athletes are wired so differently to yeah. us. Um, I hope that he is able to harness the nerves he'll have and turn in the sort of first half that he had in that Denver game. Um, as opposed to sort of, you know, clamming up entirely, which I'm sure he won't because these guys are wired so differently to us. But, I mean, I'd be absolutely bricking it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, defensively, obviously, we've talked about the weapons that the 49ers have. Um, the Jordan Brooks thing is probably going to be a target for them, isn't it? Because that middle of the field is still a question mark. Cody Byers having an all right season. Tanner Muse didn't really make any plays. There's a guy I've never heard Johnson made a play on Sunday. I'm not really too sure who that is, um, but like the, the defensively, the, it it like I said, if it, for me, if it's a shootout, the Steelers have a chance. If they can't stop the 49ers, then yeah, it's yeah, it, I, I just don't see them stopping them to a certain point. But who who's who, who's who's the defensive guy that you're kind of like hoping they 
not to lean on, but kind of like step up? Is it Quandre because just through like sheer experience kind of thing? I think it might have to be Cody Barton, to be honest. Like he he's played pretty well in the last three to four weeks. He's certainly not looked like a he's looked like a you know league average starter at worst, I would say, in the last three or four weeks. And you know, you know what you're gonna get from San Francisco. You're gonna get a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, tight ends, running backs, and it, you know that's going to fall on the linebackers to produce the goods. And he's um, he's LB one right now. So I, I, you know, I don't think the game necessarily lives or dies by Cody Barton's performance. But I think he's going to have to be someone that that does do a lot. You know, you're going to have to get one of these sort of 15, 16 tackle style games, I think, out of him in order for the team to to have any chance. Yeah, and also like the the second the second level kind of runs as well with McCaffrey yeah. and all the screens they're probably going. This is it's a lot of window dressing, but yeah, this is a proper proper um, offensive juggernaut. And yeah, uh, I think the more talk, I'm going back the other way. Um, yeah, is that was ahead of uh, Saturday or the season? You want to get off your chest, or is it all like? Just no, we, we, what's your overall view on on the whole thing? You know. September to September to January. How have you found it's, it's it? Been, it's been fun. Like there was, um, like I didn't really watch much of the games in early December um, through work and other things. But uh, yeah, it's been. It's like I really do think the biggest thing has been the Gino thing. I think I tweeted that interview with uh, Laura. I think it's Hartman. I hope it is. Um, Oaken, I think. Yeah, with her, and it's it, it's just. I, I know we've sent like jabs across to the Broncos quarterback but it's 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 so refresh so refreshing like I sent you kind of along the same tangent uh back in April that I think you Harry Kane did with Marty Smith at the Masters mm-hmm. and obviously you probably see more interviews of Harry Kane than I do but he was just I've never heard Harry Kane as excited as kind of like relaxed as he was talking to an American journalist who probably didn't really know who he was in an environment he is, he never wanted to, was excited to be there. And it kind of feels like that kind of level of refreshing that Gino can is talk, can talk how he's talking and just compared to what we've had to the last decade. I think the, the Gino Smith stuff of it has been, yeah, it's, 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 it's I think that's the biggest like, reconnect kind of thing with this, this team and this franchise, not the Pete stuff. Cause that's just, you, you can always kind of like buy back into that, but hmm. quarterback being a, like, um, not relatable because he's an NFL quarterback earning eight million dollars, but yeah, it's just it's it's been so much easier to watch, just more enjoyable to watch, and not have to pull up with Venice slow walks, slow motion walks. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, it's just yeah, this, this kind of it, it it just feels like a free hit, and the closer it gets to Saturday, it's going to be more and more encouraging, and probably get carried away at some point. But uh, yeah, so that's that's Saturday. Uh, we didn't do a bit last week because obviously the NFL news was dominated by Demar Hamlin, thankfully, and it's been very, very cool uh, watching um, Naeem Hines return the opening kickoff on Sunday in Buffalo against New England. The Demar Hamlin stuff is like a really positive um, upturn, and yeah, he's out of hospital now and everything. It's just been yeah, but yeah. So, uh, do you want a quick spin in the bin for the first time in a f- few weeks? Yeah, sure. Uh, you got anyone? Have I got one? I mean, I must do. I mean, it's week 18 of the <coughs> NFL season. There must must be absolutely loads. Yeah, I think the... Um, and luckily, you know, Lovey Smith enacted some terrific revenge on the Houston Texans oh. on Sunday by getting a win. 
Um, Has anyone been fired in a better way? No, that was amazing. But that was an amazing game because the Colts realised actually they should be trying to lose. Uh, Sort of at the time that the Texans realised that they should probably start losing. Um, So that that was really funny. Um, But the way in which the Texans have just sort of hired two coaches for one year, set them up to fail and fuck them off is uh, it's pretty bad, to be in, honest. In two different ways as well, because obviously last year they had the uh, the Deshaun Watson elephant in the room. This year has just been, yeah, we, just, we want a top pick. We want a quarterback, but we don't want to pay Deshaun money, which for some reasons, I mean, they, they look, they yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's awful. Especially Lovie Smith, who didn't, didn't need it really. Like he'd, no. he'd, he'd done his NFL stint. He'd established himself. He'd not had a great time in the college ranks, but, but yeah, it's just been. I mean, this uh, it's one of the worst sports franchises, ownership groups of them all, isn't it? Like even outside of states and countries owning football teams over here, like there's not many. Um, it's just gross. Like. Every every move they make is just kind of like, eesh. and it's it's with a fan base which is completely checked out. Yeah, like I still, and I, I do think that is a cautionary tale. Like, obviously, it's not going to be anything like the same. But when you had Seahawk fans that were saying, you know, just just lose these last two games on purpose to get the draft pick, you know, I, I do think winning breeds winning, and losing eventually breeds losing. And if you spend your, I mean, how many times have the Jets and the um, the Browns, for example, said, oh, thank goodness the draft's come around so we can get our quarterback this year. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, and I think it is quite hard to resurrect yourself as a franchise when you get to a point where losing doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, especially in a state which has probably the biggest, one of the biggest sport brands in the world, like a few hours away. Like, yeah. It's not like a one-city uh, in Seattle, the, the Seahawks are the only like circus in town kind of thing. But also, it kind of leads to the same thing. With like, there's been a lot of chat, obviously, around um, Jody Allen and the ownership group of the Seahawks. But like, as we're finding out with certain other teams, uh, a bit further up the M69 in football, that ownership kind of like it it runs dry, it runs stale, it runs kind of out of ideas kind of thing, and. Um, well, and also for Houston, yeah. you've got the best baseball team in the country down the road. So, like, it's not difficult for people to just ignore and no. just forget, you know, what they think and, you know, just jump across yeah. and, and refocus on something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the sliding doors are that as well at the same time. But, yeah, it's just it's just a horrible, horrible just... I mean, the fact that um, Casero, who probably should be fired as well, had to do his press conference with the owner in the front row... Um, yesterday was just a wild optic and kind of, yeah, it's just like the, a lot of people said the same about Shad Khan and the Jacks of the Jags and everything when Trevor Lawrence come out, but it's like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud or whoever else. So are they really going to want to go and play on like, because they're, they're onto a loser, aren't they? Because like they're, they're, they're gods in Columbus or Tuscaloosa kind of thing. They're, they're, they're going to be afterthoughts. Yeah, unless they do something spectacular, because like Trevor Lawrence, pretty much was ten weeks ago. Like there was questions around him, and obviously they've had a good run and they've got, they've won the AFC South. But, but yeah, it's just it's... yeah. After that London game, there were serious questions about whether Lawrence is the guy. 
Yeah. And now they're going to... I mean, who, I don't even know who they've got. Is it Chargers? Jaguars. Uh, yeah, Chargers, Chargers. Chargers, yes. I mean, that's it. Great game. That's a, that's a alter uh, potential. Um, in the bin... I mean, there's been a lot of people over the last few weeks. Uh, uh, I don't know. Nothing really annoyed me on Sunday watching. Um, I don't think I've got anyone this week. Um, Covers has been taken over. Sorry, Man City Champions League left backs. It's been a pretty good like 15 hours. Um, I'm, I'm not sure this has been, but. Um, obviously, Skip Bayless is one of the worst people of yeah. all time. Um, the fact he's still on TV. Yeah, is awful. But what I do think is a bit bin-worthy and a bit funny is that the the worst thing Skip Bayless really did was tweet what he did when he did, because actually he got dogs abused from all corners of the media, and it was then the same people three or four days later saying, well, what are we going to do about the Chiefs, Bengals and Bills? Yeah. Um, um there was, like, there was a Bengals was the f- fan, Joe Goodbury. Um, he lost his mind, man. Last week on Nerf, you see him on Twitter. He was all conspiracy theory in, in way out. There's conspiracy theory. So I mentioned conspiracy theories on Seattle Radio last week. You should not be mentioning conspiracy theories in 2023. Um, but yeah, sorry. Um, I got called the king of Seahawks fans who only cares when their team's winning so that person can get in the fucking bin. Um, uh, ha- having uh, responded to a tweet whether fans are spoiled or not. So, uh, yeah, I, I got that. Um, so that person who, who should live in the bin can can get right in there. Because uh, I did calculate that um, we probably give up around about, uh, what was it? 200 hours of sleep a year we sacrifice to support the team and do the pod. So uh, if that's the king of not caring about a team uh, until they're good, um, that's a very interesting way to look at it. <laughs> uh, and some postcards of people thinking. <laughs> oh, actually, that works. You dickhead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I don't think this person's been on the pod as, as you said that. Um, <laughs> he definitely hasn't. Uh Yeah. Uh, I, I had someone last week, but I didn't feel right to put it in, but I can't remember who that person was. That's why I talk, like, opposite again, the BIM. Pat McAfee, man. Like, I, I know the Barstool stuff when he first came out of the league and the kind of stink, the Portnoy stink and that, and the stuff with Aaron Rodgers and a few weeks ago when he they basically just publicly chastised a, a reporter. We clearly did a research on the story, but the college football game day was such a stagnant, like, like grandfathered in TV show and the boost he has given that TV show, especially last night on a game, which it felt like it was going to be a blowout, not a 58.1 as it was, but but he's, he's so, so, so good. And it's, 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 he's on pretty much everything he's touched in media. He's kind of like been really needed. Like, the wrestling commentary did even in the wrestling he was quite good but the wrestling's the 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 different thing he bought to that and the game day stuff he's he's saved salvaged that um the tv brand the tv show um yeah i, I, really, I cannot think of anyone to put in the bin if we're doing this pod yesterday it'd probably be <laughs> a lot of people um 
I could put Simon Moore in the bin, um, but no one will know who that is, <laughs> apart from if my dad listens to this week's episode because he's not a very good goalkeeper. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think there's anything else. It's just, it's, I, I, I just, yeah, just gonna, it's, it's a free hit for all round, I guess, kind of thing, because as I said, start to see it's back in the playoffs. I mean, should we pick it? Uh, yeah, we probably should, but I think, yeah. Like the, the, the 49ers are probably going to win by probably more than 10 and a half. I, I, I reckon San Fran 27-16, which just covers the over <laughs> yeah. and covers the spread. <laughs> yeah. Al- almost like Vegas are pretty good at what they yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, I am immediately sent an email uh, on Sunday morning if we win to um, a certain Sirius XM radio host and starve a Showtime TV show. But um, if we, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like this is, I, I said to friend of the pod Ben husband earlier. I was like, this is. Like, I said, who's the like, who's the worst matchup we can face? He said Dallas, like the Giants. They're in the same kind of boat, but this is the worst matchup the Seahawks can face. Isn't yeah, it? of the teams in the AFC playoffs, forget Super Bowl and all the AFC, forget that. But the seven teams, this is the worst team they can face because the Eagles seem a bit like. Yeah, they've kind of like Jalen's not fully there, obviously, because he's like he's massive. He played this week, I think, as a month off with how he plays, especially like how he's kind of like a rhythm kind of thing is probably big for them. But I could easily talk myself into beating any of the other NFC teams without the need for something a little bit wacky to happen. Yeah. Whereas Saturday feels like something a bit mad needs to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is supposed to be pissing it down the rain on Saturday, which could. That's true which could be interesting, but then it rained on Sunday and Gino, as you said, kind of had like 17 interceptions. So, <laughs> yeah, like, obviously I hope the Seahawks win. It wouldn't shock me if they won. Uh, mm, that's, how, I don't know how to respond to that. Because <laughs> if you say to me the Seahawks are going to win now, it is shocking to me. But, no, no, it would absolutely definitely shock no, me. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, it's it's not that much of a job, I don't think, that the Seahawks can win on Sunday. That may be putting way too much into like the like cliche of culture or Pete or Gino or getting like wrapped up in like the storybook kind of shit of it. But yeah, like, it would not be like. Yeah, the Seahawks winning, it would be a surprise if it just wouldn't shock me. In that stadium, let's start with an offensive point and then we'll have <laughs> yeah. improved on the second game of the season. Okay. We'll just work okay. it from okay. there. Also, in this 2022 season, as that the Seahawks squad, has anyone had a bigger turnaround from going to that stadium in week two to Sunday night as DJ Dallas has? No, that's mad. He, remember... He <laughs> He looked like a CFL backup quarterback. <laughs> and, that, and now yeah. he looks like a pretty serviceable sort of banging running back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's breaking runs every week. And they've got a kick returner looks workable. They're not putting Tyler Lockett back there anymore. Uh, he's, yeah, yeah. You're I talking know. yourself into this, you that's, son that's, of a that's gun. It, that's it. And it's got, still got three days and uh, a lot more press conferences to get through. <laughs> but yeah, no, it would not shock me if the Seahawks won. 
I, 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 I do think the spread is too high. And I said earlier, I think it might be. I, I think I think you might be about right. I, I, I think it'll be a one score game. I've gone two scores, but okay, but I'm always happy to well, be seen as right. No, you went eight, didn't you? 27-16. Halfway said 19, ignore me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I, no, yeah. I, the, the 49ers, the 49ers are going to win, but it wouldn't shot me over the seals. So I'm going to go 30-23-49. Okay. Yeah. It only, uh, takes, only takes one fumble or one interception also, to turn that around. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot. And I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think the Giants are going to beat the Vikings. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. I think um, I think the best game of the weekend is the last game of the weekend. Yes, I think that's going to be an absolute barn burner um, yeah. for like every connotation which could come with either team losing. Um. What have we got in the AFC? We've got Chargers, Jags. I think the Jags might win that one. Yeah, I think they could. There's Bengals, Ravens again. I think the Bengals, Bengals are absolutely will... boat race them. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are the Ravens doing? Why are they giving Roquan Smith money before they give them money? I know. And then they've um, got, we've got Bills, Dolphins again, which, which if two are plays, have to see what happens. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably going to be the Bills. Um, yeah. I mean, I would like, um, I would like McDaniel and, uh, the Dolphins to win, but it kind of the Bills kind of just seem it just Bills Chiefs just kind of seems inevitable, doesn't it? Yeah, look, it's set up for a heck of a divisional round weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, and that is something like you like you we we talked on uh, messages um, a few days ago about the like the Mahomes kind of the vibe because it it's ridiculous. Like the Ring and Ring of Rosie on in week eighteen, you know, like it. it it, it, it's it's wild that he's still somewhat underappreciated, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's incredible. <coughs> incredible. Yeah, and yeah, uh, anything else? No, I think we, we we've said it all. Yeah, uh, patreon.com Possession Podcast. If you want to get involved in that, uh, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Possession Podcast. Uh, we will do a pod next week. One nine nine next week. Um, uh, I have sent a text message to someone for episode two hundred. Um, that's a Bit of a, hope so. We try to get him from episode one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so we'll go again for two hundred. Um, yeah, enjoy the game on Saturday night. The Seahawks, Seahawks, probably going to get absolutely annihilated by Burnley with our two fit centre halves on uh, Saturday afternoon. So that'll be a fun Saturday. And then you've got the Spurs Arsenal. It's Spurs Arsenal on Sunday, so the weekend really could go one way. Let's be honest. I mean, I mean, at least, at least, at least, it's not. At least it's eight, nine o'clock Sunday because that could have been an all day. Yeah, that would have been an awful day potentially. Potentially, Uh, your place or theirs? Our place. Well, yeah. Half a chance. Half a chance. Yeah, can't stand that, so Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, enjoy the game for whatever corner world you watch it from. yeah, well, I mean, we we've gone through an hour of podcasts. We haven't mentioned that Nick Bloor had a, a carry on Sunday. That was wild. <laughs> I mean, outside of the DJ Shark thing, that might be the thing I reacted to most on Sunday. Well, I did text him beforehand saying that, uh, you know, 12 years ago today, Beast Quake 75 yards. <laughs> have you got it in you? And uh, look, he got 175th of the way there. Good luck to him. I mean, it's a bad spot as well. That was like a first down from the Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, until next time, this has been the Ped Pod. Enjoy the game. Go. Get it, guys. Oh, hey, we squeezed everything.
second out of this season. Every second of it, all the way down, killing it, forcing the We kicking the clock's gone. Beautiful freaking day today work. It was hard. It was hard because it's an NFL game. It's always hard. They get paid too. They play good too. But you hung in there and you kept doing stuff right. And look how much we had to execute that stretch. I love that the defense gave up three points in the second half. I love that. Great weeks of coming back and getting together. It's really a great job of getting that done. Regardless of what happens, this team is going places, fellas. You know it. We've been feeling it the whole time. But, fellas, there's so much heart. There's so much love. There's so much caring for one another. This is a real freaking team, for fellas. And for the guys that haven't been around a place like this, I'm, I'm so happy that you got to feel it because we're just getting freaking warmed up. That's what it is. We're just getting warmed up. And if it ain't, it's coming off tomorrow, then it's going to be coming the next time around. We're going to get our sh done. So, uh, fantastic job today. Hey, what a team we got, man. What a, what a brotherhood. Coach talked about it last night, right? What it means to be a brotherhood and play for your brother, man. And that's what happened today. It took everybody, man. It took everybody. I'm, a, I'm proud to be a part of this team. Hey, let's keep going, baby. Hawks on three, one, two, three. Hawks! Yes, sir.